Hi guys and welcome to another episode of Tea Talks with Kudu, where you get to listen to some pretty good book reviews while also learning more about one of the most famous drinks in the world, tea. I'm your host, Tex Kudu, and today we'll be delving into the pages of Madeline Miller's book, Song of Achilles. The book is the retelling of the classic story of Achilles, but told in the perspective of his lover, Patroclus. So our tea of today, first and foremost, is lavender tea, which is made from the fresh or dried buds of lavender flowers, known as lavandula agustifolia. So that's the Latin name for it, very fancy. The plant is native to the Mediterranean region, including southern Europe and northern Africa, and it's known as a tisan or a herbal tea. Lavender tea is known for improving sleep, reducing inflammation, boosting the immune system, and detoxifying the body. So lots and lots of health benefits here from a flower that's both lovely to look at and lovely to drink. So now let's get started on Song of Achilles. The book starts off with this young boy, Patroclus, the son of a king who was also the son of a king. And the famed Olympics are being held at their court, and his father is lamenting all his son's feelings. Because Patroclus is neither swift of foot, nor can his voice carry a tune. The most the poor lad has going for him, really, is his strong immunity. Anyway, so the time rolls around where the king of Sparta, who at the time was Tyndarius, has to, um, you know, offer his daughter's hand in marriage. And he has four children, two sets of twins. But he only fathered two of them, Zeus, as he is known for, fathered the other set. So he fathered Castor and Clytemnestra. However, Helen and Polydeuces are the twins fathered by Zeus. Because we all know Zeus loves having many, many kids and then conveniently remembering them only when it suits his wives. So Patroclus's father... Menoetius decides to carry Patroclus as a possible suitor to try and fight for Helen's hand. So they arrive here and there are countless um, kings and sons of kings and really, you know, um, well-versed uh, heroes who have all these achievements under their belt. And then you have this skinny 12-year-old uh, son of a king who hasn't had anything in his name and isn't really good at much. So Patroclus is there standing amongst some of these her- heroes who fought with um, Hercules, etc, etc. And he just doesn't know what he's there. He wants to know if his father really taught this true. And it's there that uh, Odysseus he um, actually brings forward the whole issue there that, you know, when Helen chooses her suitor, how do they know that the rest of these kings are not going to rebel because they're angry with her choice? And, you know, how is a war not going to break out amongst themselves? So the king, uh, Tyndarius, he accepts this motion because he and Odysseus had actually um, spoken about it in private. And he was like, okay, so what do you um, propose? And Odysseus was like, have all of the men there make a oath that whoever um, Helen chooses as her husband, they have to swear to protect him in the event that somebody tries to take Helen away from him. So they all agree. And big surprise, Helen chooses Menelaus. So Menelaus is actually the brother of her sister Clytemnestra's husband.
So that um, kind of perhaps factored into Helen's choice. So big surprise, Patrick Loss really wasn't expecting uh, to get to anywhere near Helen's hand. And his father feels slighted, so after they make their oath, they leave immediately. Patrick Loss never even got to see a glimpse of Helen's face. And back in his kingdom, he ends up being bullied by this boy who tries to take away his toy horse and this um, toy was very dear to Patroclus and Patroclus inadvertently kills the boy. So he owns up to his mistake because of the immense guilt he feels and his father was quite, uh, just he was just all around disappointed with Patroclus and he ends up exiling him to Pythia which is one of their, um, think of it like a colony under their kingdom. So uh, King Menoetius doesn't want anything to do with Patroclus anymore. He just sends him away so he doesn't have to see him anymore, right? So Pythia is actually um, ruled by King Peleus. And Peleus, his son is Achilles. Achilles is the best warrior of his generation. That's um, a prophecy that he's very much living up to. And his mother is actually a goddess of the sea, uh, Tetis. So, Achilles is a demigod. He is the very best at well, anything from sports to music. He's very gifted. So, it starts off with Patroclus being there and he is quite envious of Achilles. He first saw him in the Olympics that um, were held in his court. And this boy ended up winning this laurel of leaves, this uh, laurel wreath of leaves. And it was a very high honor. And Patroclus was very envious because Achilles was the son that his father had always wanted. And then Achilles and Patroclus, coincidentally enough, Achilles chooses Patroclus as his companion. And the two become fast friends and then they soon become inseparable. So one of the um, things they also uh, touch on is that Titus, she has these uh, illusions of making her son into a full-fledged god. And Achilles actually meets with his mother, uh, not quite frequently, but he usually goes out to meet her either late at night or just before dawn. And he isn't quite on board with being a god. Um, when Patroclus asks him if he would want to be a god, he's like, not yet. He'd like to um, be a hero first. He'd like to have a lot of achievements, that sort of thing. So unsurprisingly, they, Patroclus and Achilles, they don't bring that up again. They grow up, they become really good friends. And then in this um, olive grove, the two of them actually end up uh, kissing and Titus actually sees them. And because of this, she sends Achilles away to train with the famous centaur, Ciron. And Ciron has is famous for tra- um, training all these famous demigods. So uh, Hercules, Perseus, all of those. So when Achilles leaves, Patroclus realizes he really has nothing tying him down to staying in Pythia. And he ends up running to follow Achilles who had actually decided to wait halfway um, to see if Patroclus would meet him there and they ended up uh, meeting each other and Siren actually left uh, the mountain that he was at 
to come to meet them. So he sees no problem with allowing Patroclus to accompany Achilles. They both and they both um end up on Priam. Yeah, no, not Priam. Sorry, they both end up. Where did they stay? Pelion, right? So they both stayed on Pelion. Uh, Thetis, uh, yeah, Thetis finds out, and she's unhappy. Obviously, she's like. Uh, the time among mortals has made you soft to Ciron and he basically vouches for Patroclus and they end up being able to stay together. And they both trained for years. Uh, they learned uh, a lot of things from warfare, sports, to uh, basic everyday um, tasks like uh, cooking, cleaning, that sort of thing. And Patroclus actually became really well versed in medicine and surgery. He had he didn't really have um any kind of talent to be a soldier, and he hit the guilt from killing that boy and inadvertently still haunted him. So he had no desire really to learn warfare. Instead, he became really good at medicine, and that was actually really showcased um later on in the book. So. Actually, obviously, he has this prophecy where he's going to be the best warrior of his time. And no surprise, he becomes just as good or even better as some of the best heroes in Greek history. So the time came where his father, King Peleus, summoned them back. And the whole reason that they were summoned back was because Helen was abducted by Paris. And Paris was the son of Priam, who was the king of Troy. So if you didn't catch on by now, we're going into the um whole Trojan War here. So if you remember from the beginning, all of those suitors that Helen had who did not win her hand swore an oath, right? They had to, you know, step up and provide help to Helen's husband in the event that somebody tried to take Helen away from him. So that happened and all these heroes and uh etc who were there they have to they now have to like bring their armies and fight to get back helen on uh, menelaus behalf so just like to, to give you an idea of some of these people agamemnon odysseus ajax was um, one of the heroes who fought with hercules uh philosetes they all had to go and fight and they came to Pythia to ask Achilles to fight on their behalf because of that prophecy that he would be one of the greatest warriors of their generation. However, Patroclus is afraid that they'll call on him because he also had to swear an oath because he was one of the suitors who didn't get Helen's hand. So he did not plan to honor that oath. He and um, the loophole that they gave uh, King Pel. Peleus, when he asked if um, Patroclus wasn't going to honor his oath, was that Patroclus, uh, his father disowned him, so he's no longer of that bloodline. And his father was like, you know, that's kind of shaky reasoning, but say what? So Achilles was not going to fight. He heard out, he heard the um, proposition that all these great warriors who were going to fight on... Um, Menelaus behalf he heard all of them out but he was not going to accept and his mother Thetis she stepped in and she whisked him away to Skyros because she said that it wasn't time for him to um, participate in the war and 
she did this uh, under Achilles' nose. Achilles then went to his father, King Peleus. He begged him to tell him where um, Achilles was. And through a whole twist of fate, Achilles ends up uh, before King Lycomedes. And King Lycomedes is very old. He's kind of sickly. So his daughter, Deidamia, is uh, the prime uh, ruler then. Her father's more like a figurehead. She really is the one who controls these things. So, uh, because of um, or because of Thetis, she actually took Achilles away, and she had him marry Deidamia, because she wanted him away from Achilles. She thought that uh, Achilles made him weak and that he wasn't a very fit companion for her demigod son. So Achilles and Deidamia actually ended up married and Achilles felt very betrayed obviously but when he saw how very sincere, uh, sorry Patroclus was very, he felt betrayed but when he saw Achilles and his sincerity in that he honestly thought his mother would have kept her promise so she said that in return for both of them marrying she would have told Patroclus where Achilles was but she didn't. So, Patroclus and Achilles, they forgive each other and whatnot, but eventually Odysseus and all these other uh, heroes, they do find out where Achilles and Patroclus hid, and they uh, end up towing them back to the war initiative, um, fighting for Helen. So they end up going back and then there's a period where the winds wouldn't blow because the gods were not pleased with them. So there was that, uh, a king killed his daughter and that came back to bite them in the ass again later down. But when they finally did get headwind and they finally made it to Troy, that was when Achilles really uh, started to live up to his prophecy and started to fit into his role as being the best warrior of um, his generation. So he fought a lot. He And throughout all this, Patroclus was kind of feeling that guilt. He thought that Achilles became an entirely different person when he went to fight on their behalf. And when the very first um, war slave was brought up onto the podium. Her name was Briseis, and Briseis was a farmer's daughter, and Patroclus couldn't stand the thought of her being uh, taken by somebody else who would uh, not would treat her who would treat her really inhumanely and really badly. So he forced Achilles to um, take her as his slave, and from there, uh, Patroclus. You can see Patroclus being a really good. Um, how to say he was a really good like um entity towards persuading Achilles to be more human because Achilles it's not that he was inhumane it's just that he didn't really care for anybody beyond Patroclus so he encouraged him to uh try as as best as possible to get as many women as possible who were there um after their daily raids and he kind of created this little uh, company of um, women who were saved from the uh, more negative treatments that they could have got gotten if any of the other soldiers had gotten their hands on them. So it was around this time that that king that had killed his daughter, his daughter was actually a 
priestess um, for Apollo and Apollo sent plagues on the Greek army because he was not pleased that they had killed um, one of his uh, disciples who was very obedient towards him etc. So the plagues were there and at that time I believe uh, Achilles and Menelaus were um, at odds with one another because Menelaus was trying to overcompensate for the fact that Achilles was better than him uh, in with regards to his um with regards to his war achievements or just himself as a person. So there was a bit of a posturing there, I guess. And he Achilles refused to fight. He really he just refused to fight at that point. And I got so. The, so the Greeks were facing the plagues, they were facing the Trojans, um, gaining ground on them. And Patroclus was just seeing these people that he knew dying every single day. And he begged Achilles to go and fight. But Achilles held on to his pride more than um, he more than his love for Patroclus at that time. So Patroclus donned Achilles' armor. Um, his armor was what people really used to... Uh, uh, how to say that's how they knew he was there so his armor was very indicative of his presence and Patroclus basically donned this armor put on his helmet and whatnot and he actually was able to kill a demigod son of Zeus however he ends up dying and it's there that he sees where the prophecy that his mother tried to hide him from came into play because the whole reason that his that Titus um took him to Skyros what Skyros sorry was because of the prophecy she heard that Hector, who was um, a son of the king of Troy as well, would end up killing her son. And Hector is the one who takes Achilles' life. And because of this, Achilles ha- becomes... He becomes engrossed in rage towards Hector for taking away his love. And he sets out with single-minded intent on the battlefield to kill Hector. And he does so brutally. He kills him. He drags his corpse day, um, sunrise to sunset across the camp afterwards. And was really brutal. So Achilles actually, um, afterwards, he fights mindlessly like a robot after he loses Patroclus. And he gives... Um, he gives his army, the Greeks, one command that when he dies, him and Patroclus, the ashes, should be put, um, buried together. So they were all on board with um, honoring his statement. And then you see Achilles being remembered for killing all these different people in the War of Troy. But he um, only, he when he was, his, uh, the events that he was remembered for, and things that um he want he would have wanted to be remembered for because everything that he was remembered for was when he was in a state of despair and indifference and he was really trying to die, so Achilles eventually gets his wish. Um, Paris was blessed that his arrows would never miss their mark, I believe, and he ends up shooting Achilles and Achilles dies. And when at the time of his death, Achilles died with a smile on his face because. He thinks that he'll finally get to see Patroclus. However, his son, Neopolemus, right? So um, they call him Pharos, which means, yeah, fire. 
Pharos, yeah, which means fire in Greek. So they call him Pharos, and this was the daughter. He, no, this was his child that he had with Deidamia, right? And his mother, Tetis, had actually taken the kid Pharos and had him raised with nymphs. So this child was a bit more divine than um, normal children with a bit of divinity. And he was also very callous, very cruel. He knew that he was good at us. He, you know, that he knew that he was good at things and he was not, um, he didn't expect anything but the best. He was very entitled, a, a very, he was very entitled. Let's just leave it at that. And he was quite cruel. He actually ends up um, being the reason that Briseis is killed. But to um, an even greater extent, he refused to have Patroclus and Achilles lay together in their final moments when he erected um, this gravestone for his father. And it is here that Patroclus, his shade, which is um, his spirit, basically, he comes to Odysseus in a dream before they, the Greeks leave after they um, won the war thanks to Pharos and he begs him to talk to Pharos so that you know he can find a rest with Achilles but Pharos uh he does not um approve of that so he uh, eventually Pharos does die because his cruel deeds and stuff catch up with him but Patroclus basically stays as that at that um tomb as a shade he can't go to the underworld and be reunited with Achilles because he has no um marker, no grave marker basically. And then he meets Tethys, who comes to the grave to try to remember her son. And he basically he has nothing to lose at this point and he blasts her with everything, all his rage. Like he blames her for having her son go to war and dying and he was like your son's not remembered for killing people instead of what a kind person he was or that he was really good with um a liar and she was like dude is this what you wanted your son to be remembered for and then Titus is like well tell me what you wanted him remembered for and then Patroclus just recounts every story that he had with Achilles and afterwards after he's run out of stories and he's finished recounting all the lovely little moments that they had, Titus actually um, says that he could now he could now be with him. And at first, Achilles, um, sorry, at first, Patroclus is a bit confused, but then he sees that throughout his story, Titus had actually marked his name next to Achilles on his gravestone. So I thought that was cute. I mean, I didn't reconcile all the differences, but. It was really um testament to how much that they loved each other that she actually could see that to some extent because as you know gods and mortals differ a lot in terms of understanding emotions so at the end there's a happy ending the Achilles and Patroclus reunite in the underworld and they finally get there happily ever after quote-unquote so I thought that was really cute um writing top tier the the fact that um this retelling follows the uh actual classics so closely was really enjoyable. I really liked how um Miller went about putting the story, especially um not putting it in Achilles' perspective, 
but rather from Patroclus's perspective, which was um, a really cute take. And yeah, I thought it was really enjoyable. So I definitely recommend this book, especially if you like Greek mythology or mythology in general. And if you enjoy retellings that kind of stay true to the truths, definitely you should read this book. But other than that, I believe that would be the end of today's podcast. So thank you once again for tuning in. And if you feel so obliged, give me a follow on Instagram at ttalkswithguru. So you can find this podcast on Spotify, Amazon Music, Samsung Podcasts, and Listen Notes. So thank you for listening, and I will see you next time.